Welcome to a football show. Hello, friends. Thursday edition here on the 440 Sports Network. He is Zach Lyons. I am Braden Gall. We got something fun for you guys today on the show. Um, we're going to begin to sell tickets to our Sinkers sponsored draft party. We'll have some more information for you uh, on that coming up on the show today a little bit later on. Zach, how are you, sir? What's going I'm doing on? Good. Dude? Just got done uh, going up to the deadline to finish a article on Jackson Smith and Jigba. For uh, that's why I always will probably from here on in call him JSN. Um, for like sports- uh, stackingtheinbox.com. Sounds like a sports network, the Jackson Sports Network, JSN. Yeah. Uh, no, in fact, I think he's going to come up early and maybe often on the show today because uh, a big part of what we're going to talk about is sort of how, with now three weeks out, ex- exactly three weeks out to the first round of the NFL draft, how has the strategy, how has everything evolved and changed over time? And where do we feel differently about some things today, strategically for the Tennessee Titans than maybe we did at the beginning of the process? I know we've already talked about it on the show a little bit, Zach, over time that. We love the idea of picking 11, and then we kind of soften on the idea of picking 11, and I might be back to enjoying picking at 11 again. I don't know exactly where we are, so we'll, do, we'll dive into where exactly the Titans' strategy is. We've had rumors galore about them trading up. Um, a fandom homerish sort of conversation we need to have because I've got, I, I'm sure you have lots of friends. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of Alabama people that love Tennessee Titans football, Tennessee people that love, love Titans football that are obsessed with all the, the hometown players being drafted by the Titans. We're going to have a conversation about that. Certainly a lot of those guys going in the first round. Um, a little bit of a conversation about balancing analytics and sort of, I guess, traditional. How to make, make This is obviously a problem that John Robinson had. Rand Carthen doesn't seem to have this problem, but balancing analytics data and, and sort of uh, traditional scouting, how does that all work? Um, I got a, I've got an S2 story for you, Zach. That will, that Ooh, will, I love a good S2 story. I'll give you a good S2 story uh, a little bit I later almost on. now want to talk about that first because I want that S2 story. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a tease. That's a oh, tease. Uh, you ha- are uh, teasing me for sure. <laughs> and speaking too, of teases. Way too erotic. <laughs> the Tennessee Titans tease the Houston Oilers uh, throwback jerseys this week. And we are going to talk about the Houston Oilers and Tennessee Titans uh, relationship. That yeah. is a professional transition. Yes. And, and I think, frankly, it's sort of a we've done so much in-depth in the weeds draft conversation, and we're going to continue some of that today on the show. It's why you come to a football show brought to you by Sinkers and Kingston Group. But I also think there is this sort of it's it's almost like there's no wrong answer, no right answer. It's just what you feel as a fan about whether or not the Titans and Oilers should be linked or whether or not they should be separated. I've had some long discussions with some friends of mine in the past. So we'll get into that a little bit later on today as well. Also, we will post the link to buy tickets to the first round draft party, which of course Sinkers is putting on. It'll be open bar catered by our wonderful and amazing friends at Jasper's. So we're going to have open free food, free drinks. Ooh. The, t- the ticket link. All you can, po- it's a, you're buying a ticket. So it's all <laughs> you can eat and all you can drink. Yes. Right. I mean, that's the better way to put it. We can't say I, it's free food, free drink. If people are paying for it. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good, you're right. I probably shouldn't say it like that. I apologize. Uh, it, you're exactly right. It is. But all you can eat, all you can drink is pretty good. And I mean, like, hello. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And every single penny, every single penny will go directly to our kids charity here in Nashville. So ourkidscenter.com is the website. If you want to see what they do, we're going to post that link. And it, we, what we want to do is, A, we want to have a good time. We want to have fun. We want to celebrate sinkers. We want to celebrate the first round of the draft. It's going to be a suit. Like, I don't know about you, Zach, but I am just genuinely excited about the first 10 picks in the draft because I have no freaking clue what's actually going to happen. We've been guessing on the show for a while, but I think it could be one of the more entertaining first 10 picks of the draft. 
And of course, Rated 11 will go live. We'll have a live show for you guys, maybe some guest uh, analysis as well. Uh, we're going to do a trivia contest with some barrel pick, like fancy bourbon giveaways. Uh, again, it's a, it's going to be a lot of fun, all brought to you, of course, by Sinkers and 440 Sports. But we want to give you guys, you know, you loyal listeners who are in the chat and in the comments and, and all this, you know, watching the show and rating, reviewing and subscribing. I want to give you guys a chance to, to have access to the tickets first. So we're going to uh, I'm going to see if I can do this while I ask you a question, Zach. Okay. I'm going to watch uh, I'm gonna, the chat to see if it comes through. I'm going to see if it works because I'm going to try. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm, I'm dressed in my master's gotta, attire here. Got to go to the YouTube. If you if you want to click the link, you got to go to the YouTube channel. It's not yes. going to come across anywhere else other than the YouTube channel. Yep. Yep. Not Twitter, not and Facebook. You can also uh, go later when the, the video is like reposted or whatever yeah. and click then if you can't make it now. Uh, I'm wearing my Masters shirt. Masters are ongoing. You got an amateur from Vanderbilt who's playing pretty well. Like it's one of my favorite weekends of the entire year. So I'm going to ask you one question, lighthearted question to get us started here. Of course, a football show brought to you by the 2022 best liquor store in Nashville, Sinkers, who's also going to provide you this cool event space for the first round draft and the Kingston Group, buildkg.com, of course, for all your custom home and remodeling needs. Just talk to Kingston Group before you make any decisions. So I'm going to ask you a question, then I'm going to go copy this link and paste it into the YouTube quote comments. Okay. For you loyal listeners who want access to tickets, only 25 are available, okay? So it's basically first come, first serve. Once we get to a certain number, we're done. But here's my question for you. I want you to tell me what you would serve at your master's dinner if you were the master's champion and you got to pick the meal. I want to know what you would serve. Okay, so I don't know all the ins and outs, but... I mean, like, do I get three course meal? Can, can I mean, how how many courses do I get? Um, so I would say probably if you had a specific thing that you loved, like lasagna, you know, or whatever, like then I can understand you picking that. I would say pick like a main protein and maybe okay. a couple of side items that you that you, that you think are like your favorite things that you'd want people to have. Okay, so I would do obviously a prime rib. Okay, Ooh. now the the. The highest temperature it'll be cooked at is medium rare. If you want anything other than that, you don't belong <laughs> at the dinner. Okay, so that's all I'm willing to go as high as medium rare on a prime rib. Then for my side items, I would do uh, a lobster tail because I'm going to oh. count that as a. I'm going to do a steamed <laughs> lobster tail with uh, drawn butter. Ooh, and yeah. uh, my other side item is going to be a small petite fillet. And then there you go. Let's get let's get it rolling. So, all right. So, small petite fillet, lobster tail, and, I, and I'm not and a prime rib and a prime rib. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think any of that counts as a side item. <laughs> Why not? It's a but small I'll take it. Fillet. What you, what you do with the little well, fillet? F the by the way, fillet is the most overrated piece oh of steak. Oh my god! It's Are the most me? overrated cut of steak. Look, I will you never get enough. Now, listen, a bone in fillet is where I if you have a bone in fillet on your menu, I'm likely going to order it because it's usually bigger than the normal fillets offered. The problem is these little baby fillets, baby fillets are for people on diets. That's who they're for. Well, I would call an eight ounce fillet like a I don't want to die of a heart. That attack is a side diet. item. I, it's not a it's I don't want to die of a heart attack diet. So I, I don't order much more than an eight or a 10 ounce fillet. But that is all I need. Hey, but that would be worth it. It's not it's, worth it for the price. But I want fillet. I want a fillet. I'm with you. I want a fillet. I think it's the best cut of meat by far. If some people like marble. Some people like a little little fat in their meat. And that's fine, too. But I'm a fillet guy. I also like the fillet of the ocean scallops. Give me three U11 
diver scallops next to the next to the fillet. I also I, love. I'm, I guess I'm. It's surprising that you can eat these small little meals and be okay with paying a lot of money for it. Where I'm, I'm gonna pay a little bit less and get something massively bigger and walk away happy. Like a, a fillet just doesn't do it for me for the price. I, I, I may, maybe I am. I just know that I'm okay for fifty bucks. Um, Oof, that's a lot know. to pay for an eight ounce steak. I mean, I get it, but it's there's no meat, there's no fat. It's like perfect amount of meat for me. It's what I want. But I also like scallops, and I like duck breast, which also are like medium rare. I'm with you on the cooking, super rare. I don't, I want it bloody and, and mooing when it hits the plate for sure. But give me some scallops, give me some maybe some sautéed mushrooms, give me some like crispy Brussels with a with a with the steak and some scallops, and I'm good to go. So that's I that was my way of uh, of getting us to to vamp a little bit so that we can put the link in the YouTube comments. It is there in the YouTube comments. Um, I think you can go click on it if you want to order tickets. I let's like limit it to like two per person here, okay? And uh, twenty five or no forty dollars to get in. Uh, um, all you can eat, all you can drink, and we're gonna do some really cool giveaways and have a lot of fun. Thanks, of course, courtesy all of this courtesy to Sinkers, catered by Jasper's as well. Football show brought to you by Kingston Group. Okay, what's changed, Zach? Three weeks out. What what's the biggest changes for you in terms of how the Titans' strategy has evolved from the beginning of this draft process back in mid January? through the Super Bowl, through the Combine, now that we're less than a month away, what, what what has changed for you strategically? We've talked about basically every strategy. I know F-Words Pod just went through a bunch of these as well. We've kind of covered every single one. What has changed for you? For me, it's 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 centers around two different players, and it centers around Anthony Richardson and JSN. And at this point, you know, I've said that the wide receiver depth is really good. You could probably pass on a wide receiver at number 11. There's not really good value. And I've said I'd be hesitant to move up, even if it's their guy, because of the risk and the reward to go up to number three if it's Anthony Richardson. That's all changed. Throw it out the window. It's all changed. <laughs> because the more I watch, the more I research, the more I look at everything, it, they're just too good to pass up. Like, I, I truly feel that if you – and Benjamin Solek is going to do – he has more resources to do what I would have loved to have done, and that is chart every throw. And with the resources at the ringer, he has charted every throw for Anthony Richardson, and he released today that it will be out later at the ringer, and he said, draft Anthony Richardson at number one. <laughs> and I, I fully believe that there is a greater than average – a great possibility that Anthony Richardson is drafted number one overall. Let's let's think about this real quick, okay? I know that sounds crazy, but Frank Reich, out, out of every quarterback that has started for Frank Reich, he's only had four games where the quarterback that started that game is under 6'4". Anthony Richardson is the only quarterback, well, I think Will Levis is too, but Will Levis isn't a real quarterback. Anthony Richardson is the only <laughs> top three quarterback that is over 6'4". He's super athletic. He's like Cam Newton. And we know that Dave Tepper or and the ownership there at, and the general manager and everything love Cam Newton. He is, he is that guy going number one overall. And doesn't that kind of make sense on why he came out of college? I because I was told, hey, you're going to be like a top two, top three draft pick, not quarterback draft pick. Uh, so this will be the fourth show in a row in which I've predicted that Anthony Richardson will go number one overall. 
Uh, I think we said it back in the very, very beginning. I want to go, and I agree with everything you're saying. I, I think Anthony Richardson's ceiling is higher than everybody's. His skill set is higher than everybody's. He just needs some experience. He needs some somebody that's a, got a good quarterback mind, a good offensive schematic mind to sort of put him in the right positions to succeed because he physically can do things that no one else can do. And that has always been I, – I, I've been saying this since he was a backup at Florida for two years in college. I think he's the number one overall pick, in my opinion. Uh, that That's just a guess. I mean, we're obviously guessing and we're talking about – and even in the next three weeks, Zach, obviously things could change and evolve. I, I'm going to the Titans and sitting at 11. Here's how I think one of the players, and I was on in, um, I think I do this every year in like Charlotte, I think, ironically, actually, uh, with considering who's the number one pick. But we do sort of a, they, they do a around the country hometown mock draft where they get somebody on from every team that co- kind of covers every team. And you go on and you don't know who's been picked like the five spots ahead of you. They tell you right before you go on the air, like as you're going on the air, they say, here's who's been picked. And I did the Titans yesterday for, for, for this station. And they kind of rattled off like Skaronsky went 10, like Paris Johnson was number nine. Uh, Jalen Carter was off the board. Will Anderson was off the board. Christian Gonzalez was off the board. The three quarterbacks were off the board. Might have been one more in there. Uh, Tyree Wilson, I think, was off the board. And I was sitting there thinking about it. You're kind of on the spot the way a team is. And I, I kind of said, I, you know what? My, my first pick is to trade back. I'm very pro trade back. And I think Carthon has shown in the past in organizations, both with the Rams and the Niners, that he's willing to make big moves, especially up. But I think that my first pick is choose trade back. But if they are on the clock at number 11 and Johnson's not there and they don't like Skaronsky and maybe the corner they love is not there and the quarterbacks aren't there, it is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Let me tell you something. It, I don't is, care. Peter Skaronsky and Paris Johnson are there. You draft Jackson Smith. It is about. because because here's how I've come around on this. It, he is going to play in the NFL for 10 years. He may not be an elite number one, but he is going to play in the NFL. He man, has one of the I don't highest... know. I think he's going to be an elite number one. He, no, no, no. He could. What I'm saying is, is the worst case scenario for Jackson Smith and Jigba, in my opinion, is like a 10 year number two. Yeah, okay. like like yeah, worst like case worst scenario, yeah. case scenario. So at the very worst, you are getting someone to pair with Traylon Burks who can start in day one. And he is a, at the biggest position of need, the best player in the draft at his position. Yes, he is not Larry Fitzgerald. He's not Calvin Johnson. We know all of that. But I was on the clock with these guys on the radio and I go, it's Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's the safest, best pick that gives you what you need right now today that makes you better and is a, a has the probably one of the highest floors of anybody in the draft. Like I, he, I am so with you. Like we we talked about it. We basically took the JSN hype train because there was already a hype train for JSN Tennessee. And on football and other efforts yesterday, we poured rocket fuel into it, and that train has fucking lifted off and is <laughs> passing Uranus as we're talking about all of it. And 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 at this point, don't overthink it. As fans, as yep. media, as yep. the Titans front office, there's no no one needs to overthink it. Wide receiver one, year one, week one, day one, hour one, wide receiver one. The man has done so much from the slot. He did over 88% of his snaps were from the slot, and he has 4.01 yards per route run. That's insane. But on top of that, contested catches – In contested targets, first off, his contested catch rate is 90, so 90%. That means he caught 9 out of 10 contested targets. 10 contested targets. Think about that. He had 112 targets in total. Only 10 of them 
were contested catches, and that's because the motherfucker gets open. Like, there is no doubt about it. He is leaving your ass in the dust. He's going to do a head fake. He's going to use his elite agility, and he is going to make you look stupid. 19 missed tackles forced, 8.3 yards after catch per reception. That is insane numbers for a guy that was slot only. Garrett Wilson said before he even played a snap for Ohio State, in meaningful snaps said, hey, you know what? This guy's the best. Hey, you know what? At, during the season, this guy's the best. Hey, you yep. know what? After yep. the season, this guy's the best. Yep. Listen, now Marvin Harrison has came to town. And now he's the best, but he's, he's also pretty good. But at the end of the day, Jack Smith and Jigba, physicality, yep. not worried about it. Okay. Because the guy forces 19 missed tackles. You don't just do that. He is a big, meaty, he's not big and meaty. But he's not that small. He's seven. He's over seven feet tall or six feet tall. Seven feet tall. He's seven oh, feet tall. Holy over shit. six feet tall. He's <laughs> going to probably beef up at some point during his NFL career to get over 200 pounds. He's fine. Just do it. I'll never All right. Think it. All right. Lots of stuff there to react to. I, I pretty much agree with everything. Uh, Nathan, by the way, thank you for purchasing your draft ticket. The draft tickets for the draft party are in the YouTube chat. Trey, yes, you're right. We are riding that train from Back to the Future 3. There's no question about it. And Stoney, to your questions about this, physicality, injury history, one-year wonder, it's not a one-year wonder. Here's what I was told uh, last year by someone who covers Ohio State at this time kind of last year. Everybody's, everybody at Ohio State, remember, who got drafted last year out of Ohio State? Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. There's another one, I think, too. Um, every single person that covers Ohio State told me that none of those guys are even the best receiver on the team that it is Jackson Smith and Jake, but he did not get a lot of reps the year before because of three NFL players ahead of him on the draft chart. He would have been the number one receiver. Like if he had played the entire season and I know this kind of leads into the injury thing, like, are you concerned about it or not? He did not rush back because he knows he was this good. Frankly, again, I know some people might look at that and say that's a negative. I don't. I mean, Nick Bosa sat out his entire senior season after getting a groin injury in like week two. Um, I, I, I don't have a problem with any of these th concerns. I, I think he is as surefire a pick of any player in the entire draft. He fills a position of need and you know, everything there is to know about the guy. Like you're, he's an Ohio state guy, all blah, 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 all that stuff. I, I just think he is as polished a prof He is a professional wide receiver. That that's what he is. It, there's no questions like Quentin Johnston on catch, catch rate and, you know, agility stuff, Jordan Addison and size and speed, Jalen Hyatt running routes. There are no questions in my mind about Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I think it's the safest pick. And if the worst case scenario for the Tennessee Titans is that they pick at 11 and take a potential starting receiver that packages with Traylon Burks, I, he is going to be a starter in day on day one, in my opinion. Bar barring injury, he'd be a, a starter day one. So my biggest switch is like to take the receiver at 11. That That is sort of my biggest switch. And I'm kind of surprised you came with me on that train. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, be, I'm with you. To be honest. I, I, even if, let me say this, if a Anthony Richardson even fell down to 11, oh. I think I still would go Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I, and I know that sounds crazy, but if he fell down to 11, then everything was just smoke because someone would have traded up to it for him for 11, I, I feel that, like. I think your I think your logic on that is very sound. I think if he's at eleven, I would take Anthony Richardson. I would take the risk. Yeah. I just think it's too. It's I mean, too, I wouldn't really be disappointed, I guess. Yeah. But I, you know, it's too valuable to me. So look, there's a lot of things that have changed over time with this draft class. The you know the corners look better. That we know the defensive end is very deep. The outside linebacker is very deep. 
you know, Will Levis has fallen. Anthony Richardson's gone up. Like things have changed and evolved and things could still change and evolve over the course of the next three weeks. But, but literally like yesterday was the first time I was like, I think they should take a wide receiver and take the best one and take the guy who's got very little downside. And I, and I, I, I said it on air and I was like, we're going to have to talk about this tomorrow on the show. Yeah, <laughs> so it's here just, we are. I, I'm just like, there's just the data, everything, the tape, everything just coalesces into a beautiful work of art. Um, you know, I had a hard time figuring out what his pro comp is. You know, Mike says CD Lamb and Justin Jefferson, and I, I, I feel like they're different wide receivers, and they're a little bit bigger and a little bit taller. Well, CD Lamb's way taller. They, they, they don't scream jason for me but they do i do think like that kind of wide receiver is his ceiling obviously the, i well cd lamb may not be elite but you, like just jefferson for sure would be an elite wide receiver i land on like it's like a fusion dance between amon ross st brown and stefan diggs i think that's where i land on what he is and what he could be at the next level because stefan diggs is not like super fast but he's fast enough because of his technique and that's kind of how i feel about jsn like he's not super fast but he is he get he has the short area agility you're looking for mm-hmm. that will combined with his technique will get him open down the field it's not going to be like deshaun jackson it's going to be someone it's going to be like stefan diggs and how he gets open he has the short area explosion and the get off at the line like DJ Moore. He just doesn't have that deep speed. Cause I thought about DJ Moore too in my head a little bit, but so I, DJ I think Moore is an athletic person. I, I so here's my comp for him, Devontae Adams. That 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 is my comp for him because Devontae Adams is a little bit thicker. He's about 215, and I think Njigma is gonna get a little bit bigger, but but there are these guys that don't have the four four burner speed that end up like as like I think Diggs is far more explosive straight line down the field maybe than, than Smith and Jigba will be. But what I think he is is you don't have to have that kind of speed if you have great agility and you're a great route runner. You're a tech, you're a tech, you're a technician of the position. And if you can do that, then then you you know how to manipulate coverages, twist hips on DBs and 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 work coverage. I just think he knows how to do all that. I think he's a I didn't really realize that Devontae Adams is only like a few tenths of an inch taller than yep. what he was. I, I they well, are. I think Devontae Adams is like seven feet tall. <laughs> like, I feel well, you, like he's so tall. I, I think he. I think what Where makes Devontae you when I was writing my article. What when Deva, Well, you know, Devontae Adams. I was probably uh, holding my six-year-old daughter's hair while she puked eleven times the last two days. Party um, too hard last night. Yeah, yeah, a lot too many tequila shots for the after the softball victory <laughs> on Tuesday. Um, no, I, I. What makes Devontae Adams special is not any one athletic trait. It is his elite footwork. It is his is its intuition, its knowledge of the game, its incredible route running. This Jackson Smith and Jigba knows how to play the position. <laughs> like that, that is what it's called. And I think I think he's and, and Brian says this if you take a quarterback at eleven, you have to cut RT seventeen, cut Tannehill, I think. I, we've we've been over this. The idea would be to try to trade him as hard as possible or let Richardson sit behind him for a year. Or then if you think you need to really need that $17 million, then you can cut him and, and make a little bit of money on the cap. So uh, Titanic says JSN in round one, Tyler Scott in round two. Then they're good at receiver. Uh, Phillips and NWBI can fill in as needed. And then the tight end in the third round. Are there any other positions Titanic on the field? Like you can't just take three pass catchers with your first three draft picks. You don't even have a fourth rounder. You're, you're, Do you're, you're, you, 
you, you'd first be okay off, with I would, two. Not, I would be not be okay with Tyler Scott in round one. In fact, no, no, he said round two. Well, yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Round two. Okay. In okay. fact, I think he's gonna. I, I think there is a better than average chance that Tyler Scott could be there in round four or five. Oh wow! I don't okay. know if he's gonna go round three. If you really think about it, okay. And I wrote about today on stackinginbox.com in the JSN piece is that Tyler Scott, Tyler Lockett went in the third round. Tyler yep. Lockett had amazing stats compared to Tyler Scott. And they are a similar player everywhere else. Size matters. And we'll talk about it. I mean, this kind of leads into the next subject of NFL draft. Analytics. Mm. Size matters. Five, five, under 5'10 wide receivers. And this goes all the way. I'm just going to go ahead and swip this, switch the subject here. Well, can I can it, I, I want to hear what you have to say, but I also have a couple of questions in the comments that I want to get to. So, okay. what do you want? What do you want to do first? Do you want to do, Let's do the comments? But we'll okay. t- I'll talk about why I'm out on Tyler okay. Scott in round two. Wow, you you were all all in on Scott. That's interesting. I'm okay, still so all in, but I've always always been on all in on Scott at round three at the max. Right. Okay. Um, now I'm a little iffy. Brian Spivey says you have to go offensive lineman in the second round if you take Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round. I tend to agree with that because you yeah. can get your left guard. There's lots of really good centers and guards, potentially combo players that you could play left guard or backup brewer there in the second round. I got no problem with that. Or go Darnell in the Washington. third round with the, the offensive line. The offensive line class is very deep because the yep. Titans technically only need a guard. That is the high priority on the offensive line thing. So if you pass on an, on the offensive tackle, which is you know, fine to do, you pick up the guards. And there's a lot of guards out there with a lot of speed and agility. Yes, yes. So uh, Trey says, is there anybody um, in, and I just uh, just moved up there. Is anybody aside from, if CJ or Bryce, outside of them that could fall and you still, like, who would you pass on? I guess what he's asking is, who is there anyone aside from CJ or Bryce that could fall and you not take in Jigba? I guess is, like, I mean, Bryce. if Jay, Jalen Carter. If CJ Stroud falls, because of what I know about the S2 scores, if CJ Stroud falls, I'm passing. Give me JSN. Wow, holy smokes. Like, like to me, that's lit. When a quarterback like that falls, the NFL is telling you something. Quarterback needy teams are telling you something because a quarterback, what we've been told about CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson is that they're all going in the top 10. Teams, quarterback teams will trade up if one of them falls. And if they're sitting there at 11 and it's CJ Stroud, Bryce Young's the only one that's going to fall in my mind where you go and take him because he's falling because of his obvious because of size, frame yeah. size. I, Everybody else is falling for a different reason. I, I agree with you, but I would say the three quarterbacks and Will Anderson. Those would be the four that I would take ahead of Jackson Smith and Jigba to answer Trey's question. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Will directly. Anderson would be, oof, that'd be yeah. tough. That I I would take the defensive pass rusher. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Man, so I think that's tough though. Well, that'd and, be a tough and, choice. That's like a so, full fifteen minute time for time limit choice and discussion <laughs> you have in the uh, war room. Yes, you do. Um, all right. So we are, of course are brought to you. Reminder of our, our amazing sponsors, the Kingston Group Sinkers, Kingston Group BuildKG.com. You guys know the name. Just remember the name. If you got to make any big decisions about your house, my buddies have to go through some renovations right now. Um, I, we did it on our house. We added a carport, and I'm not talking about like a regular old carport. We're talking about a Kingston Group carport. So BuildKG.com. 
people you can trust them locally owned award-winning here in nashville for over a decade and then of course sinkers who are putting on this killer draft party you got the the uh the link is in the youtube chat so make sure you go check out the link just for you loyal listeners if you want to come hang out with the proceeds will go to benefit our kids charity sinkers got this cool event spot right there the number one best liquor store in nashville the defending champs by the nashville scene in 2022 they are putting on this really cool um event for us we got full catering jasper's is going to be a part of the food open bar uh again all the money goes to charity zach's going to be there you can hang out with zach get his autograph he's going to be there so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun no autographs only 25 uh tickets i think we're going to sell uh, again all the money for charity so go check out the link buy your tickets come hang out with us on draft night we got some cool plans for some trivia if you can guess the top 10 picks right we got some cool bourbon to give away so we got a lot of cool stuff so make sure you check out sinkers in east nashville and bluegrass of course up in hendersonville sign up for the in crowd uh, i got an email today saying if you'd like this barrel pick this very special bourbon please respond yes because i'm in the crowd because i signed up i signed up and everything so and we know there's going to be a possible certain giveaway coming around summertime that people need to turn on their notifications for not only football under their efforts but a football show to make sure you know when that contest starts you are the very exclusive winner for that particular contest oh heck yeah it is and And it's going to be awesome if we don't get to get to partake (laughs) in the in the uh contest ourselves (laughs) <laughs> I'll be very disappointed. Will you steal one of our listeners spots on said contest? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there'll be some flat tires or something. Oh uh, yeah. Somebody won't make it there in time. Uh, yeah. No, it's going to be uh, it, seriously. The sinkers has got a lot of cool stuff planned. We got a lot of cool stuff planned for you guys with them football and other F words as well with bluegrass. So we got a lot of cool stuff. So stay tuned. Um, all right. So let's get into the, the weight you were talking about basically in terms of, and I've got an S two story. We've got some fandom homerism conversation and then an Oilers Titans debate here too. So let's, let's keep it moving here, but uh, ba- balancing sort of the metrics, data analytics, yeah. all, all this it, stuff. It's, it's it's hard because you look at these metrics, you know, I, I talked about Peter Skaronsky and his short arms, like his likelihood of succeeding as a tackle, very, very low, right? Guard really great, but low, but his tape is so exceptional at tackle. And then you look at a guy like Tyler Scott, who has really good tape. And even a bigger concern in the height range is Josh Downs, who is under 5'9", 171 pounds. He does not play like it. His tape is spectacular, amazing. But in the NFL, the NFL size is king. And the NFL has shown that there is zero, zero sub 5'8", wide receivers or sub five, nine wide receivers that have ever succeeded in the NFL. And here's why your average cornerback is five eleven. That is an insane amount of height difference. I know it doesn't sound right. And listen, I am a short man. I am, I am, I hate being discriminated because of my height <laughs> and I do. It's just, it's just a game of inches. When people talk about it being a game of inches in the NFL, this is what they mean besides just that because Josh Downs got spectacular tape, but you cannot tell me. And by the way, he's got zero, zero top 30 visits lined up. And we're this late in the draft, by the way. Yeah, it's not zero, a good sign. Not a good, see, that's what I thought. And then people are like, and someone said, well, they're just comfortable too comfortable with them. Mm, no, I, I don't feel like there's been, we've never heard this news since I've been covering the draft as much as I have been that nobody's getting a top 30 visit. And now we've heard. Of yeah. 
we've heard of people we've heard of people like basically a team drafts someone they're like oh yeah we did a top 30 visit but this is like actively coming out and someone is saying there are no top 30 visits and that's really weird but um size is king I, and I, I just am, came on board with Josh Downs as a I, Tennessee Titan, and that's why Tyler Scott, I think, will fall because if Josh Downs is going to fall, ty- that means Tyler Scott's going to fall because Josh yeah. Downs is technically a better wide receiver than Tyler Scott. And Tyler Scott reminds me of Darnell Mooney on tape and Tyler Lockett in size and athletic ability, and you're talking about a third-round pick of Tyler Lockett, a fifth-round pick, and yeah. Darnell Mooney. I just think that he's going to fall a lot. I th- I just don't think he's going in the second round. I think third round max. I I, I think third round. If, if you knew you could get him at third round, maybe that changes what you do in the first round. But I don't know. Listen, I am six one two thirty. My wife's never complained about uh, size, so uh, it's it's a big deal. It's a big deal in the NFL draft. Not not. I'm, I'm I don't feel your pain, Zach. I'm, I'm I apologize uh, about being a significantly larger man than you. Um, it's okay though. It's okay. I'm not the bigger person, <laughs> clearly. Um, all right. So uh, let me. You want you want a, a quick S two story here? Yes. And this is not necessarily as it relates to. Um, well, it's kind of related to football scouting, but it's more just about S two in general, and I think data in general and analytics in general, because I think there's lots of different ways to look at it. Number one, there's like in game decision making, right? Like, right. do I go for it on fourth down? Do we, you know, what do we do in this situation? First down passes, third and short. Is it a passing down on third and two now? Like all kinds of analytics. We know stretches in Vrabel's ear helping out with those, with, with data-driven decisions, right? That's one analytics. That's nothing to do with scouting, obviously. Um, then I, t- so I talked to a college baseball coach about, because S2 is huge in baseball. Mm-hmm. Every single, every program is using it. They sponsor all kinds of baseball uh, uh, content. They are big in the minor leagues as well. And basically what this coach told me is that they use it to tailor training uh, regiments for every individual player. So each player has a specifically trained and designed like routine based on their processing, what they process well, what they don't process well. And it's just sort of, to me, it was interesting insight to see how like they use it specifically. Basically, uh, this guy raves about the process. Uh, they diagnose a player's decision-making um, strengths and weaknesses. And then S2 helps them, helps the coach create a drill package for those issues. And people rave about it. Like these guys are like, uh, it's one of the best things that helps with me. So I'm, I'm curious. I understand the value of S2 in a training situation, right? Like I understand it in a, we're, we're going to take a hitter who's really good on fastballs, but really bad on breaking balls outside. And we're going to train him on that with breaking balls outside, outside. And they're going to work on something that he's weak on. I can, I understand that a little bit more from a training standpoint. I asked him, I said, what about scouting? What about scouting for talent? He says, we don't really use it for scouting talent. I said, okay, was that a baseball thing? He goes, maybe. I said, what about quarterbacks, middle linebackers, safeties, where you have to diagnose things instantaneously? He said, he goes, now that's interesting. <laughs> well, that's go, what the whole point of the S2 test is, is right. to measure that stuff. And I go, well, guess what? 14 NFL teams are paying for this proprietary data now at this point from S2 here in Nashville. And he's and he kind of was like, that makes complete sense. And it also is insane why John Robinson passed on it multiple times. I do think there's more analytics and eye test is overlapped a lot more than people think in reality. I, I don't think it's all of one or all of the other. I think they have to coexist. 
and confirm each other. But I think the way we train is really interesting on this. How do you get Malik Willis reps, right? Like all offseason is put him. Is well, I'm designed... sure his S2 score said just don't even waste your time. <laughs> probably, probably, but the the point is if he you know he's got a deficiency somewhere, you can tailor make a package that that helps him strengthen those weaknesses. I think that's really interesting. Well, I guess let me ask you a question. You've watched a lot of Josh Downs, and I know you're you you like what you see on tape, right? I mean, you 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 like it and everything, but how much does the size thing bother you? Because a lot of people are like, oh, well, he'll just be the outlier. And I'm thinking that's a lot easier said than done. I mean, Steve Smith was 5'9", and that yeah. was a whole lot long time ago. Santana Moss was a full-inch taller. Brandon Cooks is a full-inch taller. And I know that sounds like crazy, but it's just it's just what the data shows, the history shows, that these guys that are under this size just don't pan out no matter how good their tape is. I, I think that you can overthink it by just using tape or just using data. I think you can yeah. overthink it. Sometimes you just see a good football player and you're like, sometimes you have to trust what you see on tape. Now, I will say they did not play great defenses in the ACC. He played in a very quarterback-friendly system with with Sam Howell and Drake May, two really good quarterbacks that slung it all over the place. Um, I, I think he, he was a big-time recruit coming out of high school, so there's a lot of pedigree there for him. I think he's a good football player that makes it in the NFL. I don't think he's a star. I don't think he's a first or a second round pick. And that's what we're talking See, about here. Yeah. Cause that's where everybody has him, right? Like you got to draft Josh Downs as no, I, 42 or, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. And I'm thinking like the value for Josh Downs, I could see him falling way down, but that just goes to my overall point. Like Hendon hooker, 25 years old. That's what uh, I was going to bring up. Brennan. 25 years old like uh, those two are like you know guys that got drafted that i'm like and i know this goes into our other one our next category as well our next topic but it's like that caps your ceiling for whatever reason in the nfl like it's just it's i'm sure there is data that teams have that show why but it's something about just being that age and your ceiling is not your 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 chances of growth are not not that high Right. Well, and there, it's it, uh, strangely enough, we, we joke about size, but like, isn't there something about like six, six quarterbacks and above have all failed? Right. Like, oh, you need I'm to be sure like, there is. I guess Brock Eisweiler. I know he's you one need of those you guys. need to be like six, five, like between six, two and six, five is like the, yeah. anything taller is bad. Anything shorter is bad. I do. And, and I think I think it's smart to consider things like Hendon Hooker's age and consider where he might be taking his first snap and say, look, if he starts at 26 and becomes a star, he would be statistically an incredible outlier. Bryce yeah. Young at his size. He would be an outlier. Receivers at a certain size, they'd be an outlier. I think it's okay. As long as you acknowledge and you know where where the data says the statistical probability is on a given player, and as long as you can acknowledge that and 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 then justify the reasons to go against that, then I'm okay because sometimes they do exist. Bryce Young, we both agree, is going to be an outlier because we both agree that he just is that good. I, I do think that there's... Like, I also think there's another point to be made about the size of cornerbacks over time. I would love, like you mentioned Steve Smith and Santana Moss. That's a, that's like a long time ago. Yeah, right? And I, I mean, like, and I'd like to Cooks know. would be the closest, and, and obviously yeah. Tyler Lockett, but they're, again, both 5'9 and plus. I'd like to know what the average size of the NFL, NFL cornerback was and how often they were running man-to-man -man coverage in, like, 1991 versus 2001 versus 2021. I'd like yeah. to know, and I'm willing to bet you the size of the average NFL corner has gone up significantly over time. 
maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I would I think as the corners are getting bigger, you need everyone in every position is sort of getting bigger. So I, I just think um, there's I, I'm OK. I, I think analytics are critical. I think eye test is critical. I think personality and, and mental side of things. And do you fit into the culture? I think it's no different than hiring someone for any job. It all has to work together in my opinion. And I, you have to trust your, your departments to get the job done. Um, you mentioned Hendon Hooker. Do you want to? Yeah. Well, the, the, that's what I was going to say is like, that's what drives me nuts about the conversation really surrounding Hendon Hooker and some of these other UT players or really, really maybe just kind of Jalen Hyatt or whatever, but Dar it's, Darnell, it's right? really, really Hendon Hooker in the fact that all Titans fans have done over the last three or four years, me included, is complain and request and demand more analytics. And as soon as you present a <laughs> fan base with actual analytics, they're like, well, that doesn't matter because Kirby Smart, he said he was scared of Brandon Hooker. Oh, my gosh. You can't, can't be that bad if you put 52 up on Alabama's defense. <laughs> like... You guys got to yeah. <laughs> make sure awesome. that you take off the goggles. That's why UT fans are like, well, listen, I watched Anthony Richardson. Uh, he threw 14 straight incompletions against Florida State. Not all incompletions are created equally and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we got to just because you watch it in real time doesn't mean you understand what actually happened in real time. So. Uh, my favorite story of all this, because I think you're right. Look, it is very natural for fans of a college football team. I have a lot of friends who are Tennessee Volunteers fans and Tennessee Titans fans. And it's it's very or there's a lot of Alabama fans that are Tennessee Titans fans. It is very rational. My father is a Green Bay Packers fan and a diehard Wisconsin Badger fan. Like he loved Mark Tauscher. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like there are certain it's OK for fans to love one of their favorite players to play on both of their favorite teams. It's totally makes sense. No one's saying it doesn't. But Pete, my favorite story ever about this is Pete Carroll, the guy who recruited Taylor Mays to USC, coached Taylor Mays at USC for three years, one of the best safeties in America. Play, he gets the job in Seattle in 2010. He is his first, very first draft. The Seattle Seahawks are in desperate need of a safety. Taylor Mays is graded out as a top 10 prospect, and they're on the clock in the middle of the first round. And Pete Carroll, the man who sat in Taylor Mays' living room with his parents and said, come play for me. I will take care of your son. Passed on Taylor Mays to take Earl Thomas from Texas because he was the better player. And that is being that that is the most objective you can possibly be is passing on one of your own players that you recruited and developed for the other guy because you know he's better for your team in the long run. And it was the right decision it by is. Pete Carroll. Do not, if you do not draft a quarterback of Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Anthony Richardson in the first round. The Tennessee Titans should not draft a quarterback at all until the sixth or seventh round. I would. That is don't, my. Don't. I don't want to see in the sixth or seventh. Take a kicker, damn it. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, that's the 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 ceiling of to draft a quarterback. They should not draft a quarterback, and I, that includes if Hendon Hooker is there in the second round. If Hendon Hooker is there in the third round, very unlikely. Do not draft a quarterback you have other needs other than to gamble on what the analytics tell you is going to be a limited quarterback for the rest of his career uh so of all the names that alabama or tennessee homers could 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 want in this situation 
it is, it is, I mean, I, maybe you trade back and maybe like Brian Branch is in the mix. If you cut Kevin Byard, I don't know for Bama fans, Darnell Wright's the only one that makes any sense to me in at probably like in that 18 to 22 range. I don't want him at 11. I'd rather have Jackson Smith and Jigba. So I think I, I could, I could talk myself into a Jalen Hyatt trade back scenario because I do think okay. like I, I, the only concern that I have particularly with Jalen Hyatt is not his route tree. It's not his speed or his athletic ability, durability, frame size, whatever. I am extremely concerned that he does not have a lot of reps against press man coverage. I... So we have no clue how he will translate to the next level. My preferred scenario out of all these UT players is waiting as long as you can. If a Cedric Tillman is there in the third round, draft Cedric Tillman. I The, the only UT player, I, I like Cedric Tillman more than Hyatt. I think he's the better player than Hyatt. He came into the season as the better player than Hyatt. He's a bigger physical, more physical, more polished receiver that is asked to do more stuff. And if he's there at 41, I could be talked into it. Yeah, I could be talked into Cedric Tillman you, at 41. You, you could talk me into Cedric Tillman. I'd prefer the third round or a trade back scenario or something like that. But sure. you you can't convince me right now, or at least it would be very hard, it would take a lot of alcohol, maybe a lot of prime rib, no fillets. <laughs> Got convince the meats. me. Got the meat that, sweat. That C- Cedric Tillman's not going to have the better career than Jalen Hyatt. I, I think Cedric Tillman's a better player. I think he is too. Why are we agreeing on everything? This is ridiculous. Because we, we are smart people. We didn't plan this, by the way. No. We're even wearing the same color, sh- so close to the well, same it's, color it's, shirt. Well, it's Masters And Day, it was baby. funny is that me and um, uh, Mike on the YouTube show for Football and Other Efforts also wore similarly colored shirts, which is just crazy. It's all part of the plan, man. Branding, strategy, sinkers, Kingston Group. Go check out two locally owned businesses that sponsored this show so that you get high-quality content you know, fed right into your ear holes. Uh, check out the YouTube link there. Uh, we put it in the YouTube chat. You want to buy tickets for our draft party. First round, uh, Thursday night, April 27th, doors, six 30 catered by Jasper's open bar. Zach's going to be there. Uh, who knows how many drinks I'll let him have slash, you know, enjoy myself. We, we shall see. I will sneak drinks. If I ever get stopped, we, here's the thing. We'll go on the clock when the Titans are on the clock. Let's just hope they don't trade back. <laughs> For, for our purposes. I'm a professional. I could do it. I, I know you could. Uh, we'll see what happens. I'll be, I'll be beer only, you know, unless there's, unless there's martini. There's martinis. I'll be uh, martini. are, you're not gin, are you? You don't do no, gin. No, I'm, I'm a vodka martini. Okay, good, guy. good, good, good. good. vodka. I'm assuming that they're probably like tied with sinkers in some level. So I'm going to do this vodka. Enough- extra, extra dirty. I want like Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> Dirty porn star, no, I dirty want, martinis. I, I want Margot Robbie and Wolf of Wall Street dirty martini. <laughs> there you what, go. That's what I want. Um, it's not the classy way to drink martinis, but it's the fun way to drink martinis. Uh, dirty, couple olives up, please. Ice cold, shaken, not stirred. Yep. Uh, vodka. You know that Tito's vodka is the number one selling liquor in the entire country? You know that? It's funny. Okay, so it's a little side story. There was gin a, sucks. Uh, gin sucks, Trey. Gin's terrible. Uh, I, I've never had a... I've had gin cocktails, like, mixed in, but I've never had, like, gin straight up. So I, I, oh, can't, I can't speak on it. I can't do it. I tried during the pandemic. It was a bad night. But <laughs> uh, funny story. So back yeah. in probably 2008 or nine, before Tito's really has taken off, we're doing a bachelor's party, and we're at the Southern Steakhouse and Oyster downtown Nashville. And... Uh, and the guy, one of the guys in our group 
just keeps going on and on and everywhere we go tito's this tito's that tito's tito's and i mean like if someone didn't have tito's at one of the establishments that we went to he threw a fucking fit well it's gluten-free zach yeah but i mean it was back then i mean like gluten allergies weren't even a thing back then no, for it, most people but it, 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 it's just has, funny because now tito's is the most popular vodka yeah. around and I, like he was we it drove us nuts and we made fun of him for years until the now it's like tito's tito's martini i'm in trey i will drink i will drink gin with you to get on your list i i'm not above it i'm not above it uh but what i what i mean by the gluten thing is that like people things that never had gluten in them to begin with they started labeling them gluten-free and all of a sudden they sold a shit ton of them and it's how tito's skyrocket it's also pretty good pretty good vodka which of course you can buy at sinkers or you can have it delivered to your house uber eats search sinkers zach why they drive so you can drink there you go um, which we will be doing on Thursday, April 27th. We will be, we will let somebody else drive us home. <laughs> That's yes. what we're going to do. Um, all right, quickly here. I've, I've had this debate with Derek Mason uh, when I used to work with him all the time. Uh, and I'm just curious what you think, because I've talked to a couple of Titans fans about this. And I just want to know, because I see the, I think the, I think the oil Derek and the color palette, the, the, the old school throwback color palette to the Oilers is by far the best that the Titans slash Oilers have ever looked. I love the hat. I like the baby blue hat with the white bill and the oil Derek on it. I think it is the the best looking product. I think the flaming thumbtack is terrible. I've never really liked it, but that's just my personal opinion. I know some people like it and that's cool, but I love the throwbacks. They're going to wear them hopefully against the Texans, right? Right. <laughs> this year. I, I would actually like them to do it at an away game at the Texans. I don't oh, even want them be... to do it at home. I want them to do it at an away game. But here's what so Derek Mason, what former wide receiver, not Vanderbilt coach, used to always tell me he wanted the, the record book split the way the Ravens and the Browns split when they changed and the, and like and truly break the franchises apart, truly have a Houston Oilers franchise and a Tennessee Titans franchise separate them permanently Does that benefit him in some way. No, no, it doesn't. He just thought okay. it was like two different teams, two different states, two different eras, just like they don't belong. They're not connected. Like Earl Campbell never played for the Titans, you know what I mean? Like, but we were the Tennessee Oilers at one point, you know. And which, of course, in Memphis they were for I think there were two years the Tennessee Oilers, right? They were in Memphis and then in, on West End, and then they moved into Nissan, but or maybe it was just the one year. But what's interesting is, so I, I went back and looked. It was five years, of course, without football in Houston. They came back and rebranded as the Texans, which sort of gives you the freedom to keep the Oilers in the record book. The Ravens, of course, were only they took the Browns. Of course, the Browns were only out of football for three years, and I think it was pretty quickly after they left that they knew the Browns were going to come back, so they wanted to keep the record book intact. That was also a, a, a bad divorce there when they moved out of Cleveland. Um, so I'm not sure what the right answer is here. If you took away – here's what's interesting to me. <laughs> here's two two statistical facts that maybe aren't relevant to this debate, but I find interesting. If you take away the Oilers out of the Titans record book, Derrick Henry would be 67 yards away from breaking Eddie George's franchise rushing record, just as a point of fact, because Eddie George ran for almost 1,400 yards his rookie season in Houston. Um, so you take that off, and the and Derrick Henry would basically almost be your record holder. Your number one quarterback passer, of course, would be Steve McNair. Number two would be Marcus Mariota. <laughs> number three would be Ryan Tannehill. Uh, if you took away, you know, Warren Moon and George Blanda, basically. So what what do you think? I I think because the Houston Texans came back as a new thing, it's made the decision very simple and easy and clean to keep them joined. Well, new owners, new owners. Derek always wanted them separated. I I don't. I think the best uniform they're going to wear is the one that that harkens back to the Oilers. So I am glad that they are together. Where do Titans fans stand on this? 
Oh, Titans fans are going to tell you all damn day long that the Oilers belong to the Tennessee Titans. Now, when you start talking about statistics and stuff like that, there is this kind of weird thing on the internet where it's like they are kind of separated. It's kind of like understood. Like you say, well, Steve McNair is the best Titans quarterback. Well, nobody's ever including Warren Moon, right? There is like a Titans era, and then there's the Oilers era. Like if you're just going to say of all time, like the best uh, Tennessee quarterback of all time, people would say Moon. If people ask, say, hey, who do you think is the best Titans quarterback? People are going to incorrectly say Steve McNair. So Kerry they, um, so that's just kind of how it rolls. So it's just kind of like a natural separation. I don't think it has to be a forced separation. But the, the history, the tradition, the all-time record books, all that kind of stuff came with the Tennessee Titans because the owners – of the Houston Oilers came with the Tennessee Titans. And and they were the Oilers in Tennessee. So the Oilers aren't completely, you know, monopolized in just Houston all but the one year. Here's my question. Like, do don't Titans fans want to claim Earl Campbell and Warren Moon and Ernest? Well, Gibbings they do, right? I mean, like when, Jeffries, when yeah. you talk about which team has the best like group of running backs, the Titans are up there, and all Titans fans include Earl Campbell, Eddie George, right, Chris Johnson, Derrick Henry. Because they know that you could pretty much, you are going to win that fight or that argument <laughs> if you include Earl Campbell, right? I mean, like, and if, and if you want to talk about wide receivers, you need to include Haywood Jeffries and Ernest, Ernest Givens yeah. and all this other stuff. Now, here's wide the other thing, though. You know, like a little slighted, like it's Ernest yeah. Givens, and that's pretty much it. From the, well, the like, Ravens fans don't claim Bernie Kosar and, and, and you know Ernest Biner, like well, a lot yeah, of people named Ernest in the eighties. By the way, yeah, well, tons of Ernests. <laughs> too, um, too many fucking Ernests. But again, different owners. It is different ownership. It's di when you move to a different city, there is different ownership that's done. And the remember, they left in the middle of the night, so that's also another thing. Like it's a different ownership group. It is. It, it's just different in the Raven situation. Yeah. Yep. And the Brown situation. I, I don't think it's a as clear cut and dry with the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Oilers. I here's what I would say. I think both and all of these are different, right? The Rams have kept the Rams and they've moved everywhere. They've moved yeah. back and forth and back and forth and they've kept the Rams every the Raiders. Time. The Raiders have moved back and forth and back and forth and then out, out of California altogether. No one remembers or cares about the St. Louis Cardinals football team moving right. to Arizona. Um, but maybe I don't know, like the Cardinals and Rams both were in St. Louis. Um, you know, the Colt, of course, Baltimore is also tied to the Colts. Johnny Unitas, Baltimore people still claim Johnny Unitas, but he's really a Colt record holder. And really, Colts people also hold are trying right. to claim Johnny Unitas. The right. thing is, you never really hear, and, and maybe we're just not in tune with what Texans radio conversation is, but the only time they bring up the Oilers is so they can wear the jerseys. They don't yeah. ever, I never heard a Texans fan come in and say, uh, anything about Warren Moon? Like Warren Moon, it does not feel like it, he is a Texans record holder. And then if you look at all the stat books and reference books at Texans leading passer, guess who's not on there? Warren Moon. Well, let me ask you just just so I can clarify, just so I'm I'm clear on this. When when they when Cleveland left for Baltimore, they sold the team to somebody different. Uh, yeah, I believe the whole ownership went with the Ravens, right? Right, but that would be the same as the Titans then, because then the whole ownership. But they went left with in the, the middle of the night. 
Like well, this is a middle of the night. Like so, so you basically your wife's asleep and you decided <laughs> I'm going to go sleep with I'm going to go live with my mistress and have a second family. And I am leaving in the middle of the night and packing out and sneaking out the window. I mean, the Tennessee Titans, the Houston Oilers and Tennessee Titans, they tried to stay in Houston for as long as they could until Houston said, Bye bye. We're not. No, 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 no. I, right, right. No, I totally. And St. Louis and St. Louis had. I just a boat. feel like there's a different. Like what I'm saying yeah, is yeah, there's yeah. a different segregation of how it went down. So there's a little bit different vitriol involved in that. No like question. You're cutting the cord. No question. And there was, and I think it was pretty quickly that Cleveland said we're going to bring the Browns back. And the NFL was like, wait a second, this is a huge mistake. We need the Browns in the NFL. Yeah. Um, nobody said. Nobody was like, wait a second, wait a second. We need to have the Oilers back in Houston. It was, oh, we're going to put a team back there, but it needs to be a different team. Again, also sort of stealing a name that is actually the Kansas City Chiefs, because the Kansas City Chiefs used to be the Dallas Texans, who are now the Dallas Cowboys, and the Dallas Texans moved to Kansas City. So, do they claim Dallas Texans football? Do the Houston Texans claim Dallas Texans football? Like it, it's very weird how it kind of changes with each organization and each situation. Um, I just think that as a as a fan of the team, it makes the team look better. Is not the right word, but like like you said, I, I would prefer to claim ten thousand and nine yards for Eddie George and Earl Campbell and Warren Moon and the the history of the uniforms and the logos. In fact, I think and I think many of you guys have commented on this. I think Trey and Titanic and a lot of you guys. They, they need to work it more into the if new stadium, new uniforms need to have more of the history worked into it. If we're going to keep them together as two franchises and the Titans are going to own the record book of the Oilers, then then you have the freedom to work the Oilers shit back into the equation. Right. Right. So I don't know. I just was curious what fans think about that. Like if you took if the Texans like made some play and gave them how about this? If the Texans are willing to put up five hundred million dollars for the stadium do they get to buy the history rights for the Oilers back to the to the Houston Texans? Make make them pay for everything the city would have to pay. The city of Nashville, one point two. So for yeah. one point two, every taxpayer dollar of Nashville's off the hook. Yes. By, by the way, we didn't talk about this, but the stadium vote did get pushed off. It did not sail through the way the council was supposed to sail through in the second vote. It actually got delayed. But one point two billion Houston Texans, you can have all the Oilers history. And Derrick Henry is 67 yards away from breaking the franchise record for rushing. And Marcus yep. Mariota is the second most, most prolific passer in franchise history. Yep, you can have it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right, that just about does it, folks. Uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Masters. Um, you've got a link in the YouTube comments there to buy, purchase tickets. It, they will go fast. It will be. It, it will. There's not a lot of space. But it's going to be an awesome night, of course, brought to you by Sinkers. Jaspers is going to cater it. So shout out to them, of course. The Kingston Group, our wonderful and amazing sponsor here on the show. Buildkg.com. Make sure you check them out as well. Um, Zach, how much golf are we watching the next three days? Next You're watching days. a lot of golf. A lot of golf, boys. It'll be, be on the TV. A lot of golf. I've got golf on two different channels right now, above me right now. I can't wait. I can't wait. Hopefully the rain holds off. Uh, otherwise, all you guys, thanks for hanging out. Uh, we'll see you guys on draft night. We'll talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been a football show.